Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Hey, uh, real quick, um, before we get started, can we just say thank you to Scott, Shannon, and Ben for being here and for the mission that, that they have said yes to? I'm sure a lot, of us, a lot of us in this room have had the thought, you know, what, would I be willing to move countries if God had asked me to? And these are people who have said yes. So thank you guys so much for your yes. Your yes is going to bring salvation to thousands of people, I'm sure. And so thank you so much for your mission. Um, and I, pray, I pray that everybody here prayerfully considers being a part of their mission. It sounds like their mission statement, launching life-giving ventures, is, is very similar to the same one we have, leading generations into life-changing, ever-growing relationships with Jesus. Um, so I pray that you prayerfully consider uh, being a financial partner with them. Before I get started, um, I have a lot of scriptures I'm going to be diving into today. Um, so I'm going to try to create a little pot, some, a few pockets of fun, but um, just be ready for a lot of verses. If you brought your brick and mortar Bible, please open to Exodus chapter 16. Um, I always encourage you to bring a Bible and bring a journal. Um, note takers are history makers, right? Uh, so I hope, I hope that you guys did that today. But before I get started, um, earlier this week, um, I took a trip to Fort Wayne. And if I ever stop at the store, you know, I, I make some stupid purchases. So I bought myself some chocolate. Um, I bought myself a fancier chocolate. And I bought myself some uh, Hershey's Kisses. Uh, not super fancy, just in quantity. It's a bulk, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and so as soon as I got in the car, I opened up one of these and just started d digging in and just ate a whole bunch of them. Um, so I'm going to give you guys a, a chance real quick to take a vote by raising your hand. Which one do you think I opened up and ate? Do you think I opened up the Hershey's Kisses or the fancy chocolate Ferrero Rocher? Uh, if you think it was the Hershey's, raise your hand. Cool beans. And if you think it was the fancy chocolate, raise your hand. We got a few. OK, most of the people think it's this. I'll get back to that, uh, the results of the poll. Um, in a little bit. But uh, I, I just wanted to get that in your guys' heads for a little bit. But um, we're going to be talking about money today and finances, but also, mostly we're really going to be talking about God's provision. Because, you know, I think that some of us in this room maybe don't just have issues with wondering, is God going to provide for me financially? But we have questions, is God going to provide for me in this way or that way? And so I believe that um, God's provision is something that we definitely should be talking about in this church. Um, but more so than that, I believe that nothing happens in the natural world until it first happens in the spiritual world. Nothing happens in the natural until it first happens in the spiritual. And so before I talk about the natural world of wondering, is God going to physically provide for my needs, I want to talk about the spiritual side of this same issue. Because uh, I believe there's two sides of the coin, and I want to talk about the faith side first. Um, so if you brought your Bibles again, Exodus chapter 16 is where we're going to be. Um, just a, a little bit of a summary of, of what has happened up to Exodus chapter 16. We, a lot of us have heard of Moses. Moses felt called by God through the uh, form of a burning bush um, to head back to Egypt and rescue his Israelite brothers and sisters who were slaves in Egypt. And so we, if you know the story, you know he goes, he does that. Um, God sends plagues to Egypt to verify, look, Pharaoh, this is supposed to happen. You're supposed to let the Israelites free. Uh, Pharaoh does that. The Israelites walk free. There's an ambush from the Egyptians as they're leaving Egypt. And they're stuck by um, the Red Sea. 
And we, if you know the story, you know Moses puts his staff in the water. The water splits into two. And the Israelites are able to walk through the water. Um, and they're free. They, that's the moment where they are really free from captivity. Um, but the, what we're going to see here in the very beginning of this passage is that after they left the ocean, left Egypt, um, where they were slaves, they're, they're heading towards a destination. But they get to this spot where it's a desert. And, and in that moment, they feel like God has sent them to a desert. And they're going to die because in a desert, there's not food and there's not water. So in Exodus chapter 16, it says, the whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. So they're on a, they've been on a journey for two months and 15 days and out of Egypt, and they get to a desert. And it says, in the desert, the whole community grumbled or complained against Moses, the leader, and Aaron, who was kind of the speaker of the house, so to say. Um, and then it goes on. It says, the Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, where at least there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. And I can't help but think that can may, maybe relate to some of our lives in this room, where maybe there's an area of your life, whether it's financial, whether it's physical health, whether it's relationship in your life, whether you were hoping your kid was going to go one way and they've went a different way instead, where you feel like, man, I can't believe all my actions have brought me to this desert. And now I'm in this position and I don't know how I'm going to get out of it. Or maybe you feel like the Israelites, where you feel like, man, I have been serving the Lord and this is where God took me? Was to the desert? To die? Like, at least as a slave, I had food, but, but God brought me to this point, the desert? And this, this part's not going to be on the screen, but um, God hears the people who are asking those questions. God hears his Israelite people. God hears his children. And first off, I want you to know, if you're a child of God, he hears you. He hears when you have needs. He hears it. And so God tells Moses, he says, tell the people, I will make sure their food is provided for. I'll make sure they have food every single day. And so uh, Moses and Aaron went to go tell the people that. Uh, and in verse 10, it says, while Aaron was speaking, while he was telling them this, the whole Israelite community, uh, speaking of the whole Israelite community, they looked back to the desert and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. I want you just to know in the rough moment was where God showed up. In the moment where they felt like they were in a dry place, in a dark place, God was there. But he wasn't just there. He was with them before that. He knew that this was going to be a 40-year-long journey in the desert. And he made sure that everyone had food for 40 years. God is, if you, maybe you feel like, man, I know that God's with me. I know he's going to get me through this. I know he's on the other side of it. He's not just on the other side of your challenges. He's in the challenge with you right in the middle of it. He's with you right here, right now, in the middle of your struggle. Not, not just at the end, not just at the beginning, although he was at the beginning. He was with the Israelite people for the whole 40-year journey in the desert. Um, I'm going to fast forward, but we'll, we'll come back to parts of Exodus 16. Towards the end of Exodus 16, in verse 31, um, the people 
uh, are starting, it's just their description of what, what kind of food God gave them. God, gave, God sent manna from heaven. And this is their description of manna. So it says, the people of Israel called the bread manna. It was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. And so um, I tried to think about what's the closest thing we have to that. And I realized God still sends manna from Kroger in the form of vanilla wafers, right? I mean, these are white like coriander seed. They're wafers. And they've got a sweet flavor to them. And so God... Every single day, every single morning, they would wake up, and there was manna from heaven falling from the sky. God was providing for his people. Every single morning, God sent manna from heaven. In fact, in Exodus chapter 16, back in our story, it says, this is what, or where is it? Yeah, this is what the Lord commands. Everyone is to gather as much as they need, as much as they need. So there was plenty for everybody. God sent as much as they needed. Take a, take a portion for each person you have in your family. Make sure your family has plenty. There's plenty here. I will provide for you. Make sure you have plenty. And so when you guys leave today, I want you to make sure you look down and just see, man, God is, he gives. There's plenty. There's plenty. God gives. And so I want to, first off, I, we just have to know that we need to trust God that he's going to give us what we need. He's going to provide for us in the areas that we have need for. He's going to make sure we have what we need. Jesus mentioned this in Matthew, cha Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? And what Jesus is saying is something I've already mentioned. Stop looking at the physical. I'm going to provide for the physical. What you really need to focus on is the spiritual. He says, stop worrying about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat. He goes on, he says, look at the birds. They don't sow or reap. They don't have anything stored in barns. Yet your heavenly father still feeds them. He still feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? And then he asks a question that I think maybe some of us still struggle with. Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? I think so often we're just so worried about where the next is going to come from. But we just have to know God's going to provide for us. He's going to take care of it. Can any of you, by worrying, add a, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't work. They don't do anything to grow. They're just there. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon, the wealthiest man in Scripture, in all of his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and then tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you? That's what Jesus said. Those aren't my words. Those are what, that's what Jesus said. And if we, if we look at the next couple verses in the message version, this is what Jesus says. He says, what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting what you're going to get if God's going to take care of you so that you can respond to God's giving. I believe that God has no issue getting money to us. I think the problem a lot of times is, can God get money through us? Can God get a blessing through us? He can get, us, get it to us, but the question is, can he get it through us? And we're going to talk a little bit more in a little bit about being generous with what we have. But back to our story in Exodus. Um, so God had told Moses not to... 
uh, to tell everybody at, when you see the manna on the ground, uh, collect it for your family, collect it for yourself, and eat it today. Don't store it. Don't save it for tomorrow. Collect it and eat it today. So Moses said that to the people. No one should keep any of it overnight. Don't keep it until the morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses, and they kept part of it until the morning. But then it became full of maggots, and it began to smell. And I think what Jesus is saying, what, what God is saying here is the same thing Jesus says. I'm sorry. Same thing Jesus says in, his, uh, in, in the Lord's Prayer. A lot of us know the Lord's Prayer. But it's just the, the what, what did Jesus pray for, right? What were the things that was on Jesus' heart to pray about? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he gives us this next sentence, which is referencing Exodus chapter 16. He says, give us today our daily bread. He says, God, don't give me more than what I need. Give me what I need today. I'm trusting that you're going to take care of my needs today. Tomorrow has enough worry on its own. Help take care of me today, Lord. What do, you, what do I need today? And that's what I'm asking for. Because tomorrow, there's going to be fresh manna. God's got a fresh presence for you tomorrow. He's got fresh gifts for you tomorrow. He's got what you need today, today. Don't hold on to it. Don't, don't store it up. It's about what did, did God give me what I need today? And the answer is yes. He'll give you what you need today. And so in, in Exodus chapter 16, um, it kind of talks about that process of collecting, collecting the manna. Every morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, the rest of the manna, which there was an abundance of manna, melted away. And then on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much manna. They gathered a double portion for each person. And the leaders of the community came and re would report the amount that they collected to Moses. And then he said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. And I can't help but wonder if we're receiving from God. Every day God is giving us what we need but we forget to take time to dedicate to him and thank him for what he's doing for us. And that's, that's what God wants, is a relationship with us. He knows you're going to have your needs met. He, he knows that you're gonna, you, can be a, you have the ability to be a blessing to others. But what God wants more than anything is a relationship with you. And he even told the Israelites, I'm willing to give you twice as much on the sixth day so you don't have to worry about collecting. You don't have to worry about anything. I've, all I want from you is a day where we can just be together. And I think maybe in 2024, that's something God might be telling you, is I just want to spend some time with you. I'll bless your life. Don't worry about that. I just want you. I just want you. In fact, if you're taking notes, please write this down. And if you're not taking notes, get your phones out and write this down. This will be the best year of your life, not if your bank account shoots up, not if your marriage grows, not if your kids turn back to Jesus. Those are all great things, but this will be the best year of your life if it's the best year of your life spiritually. This will be the best year of your life if it's the best year of your life spiritually. And so one question I have for you to think about 
is what would it look like? What, what do I need to do differently this year to make this year the best year of my life spiritually? Because that's how you're going to see your life drastically changed for the better. If you want to know what it's going to, you know, I don't, I'm just so nervous that God's going to provide for this. I'm nervous about this. If this is the best year of your life spiritually, he'll touch every single area of your life. I promise you that. He'll bless every area of your life if you just focus on him. You'll see him move like you've never seen him move before. And what I would say is not that he hasn't been moving that way before, but if you're deeper in a a deeper connection with him, if you're more connected with him, you're just going to see what he's already doing. You're going to start to see that he's already been moving. And you're going to actually be able to see that. And that's going to change your life. In fact, if you're right, if you're taking notes, we're going to we're going to shift from the spiritual side of things back to the physical side of things. And I would say this, the value of my life is not determined by how much I achieve or how much I accumulate, but instead my life is determined by how much of it I give away. My life is determined by how much of it I give away. Um, So I want to come back to this chocolate stuff. I, in the car, I ate these. This is what I ate, right? Does anybody know why I didn't eat these? Because you don't buy fancy chocolates to eat in a car. That's common knowledge. Everybody knows that. You buy fancy chocolates to give away. That's the purpose of buying fancy chocolates is to give them away. And I can't help but think The same thing is true in our life spiritually. Your life is so much more valuable and so much more meaningful when you choose to give it away. Instead, let's not live a life like a Hershey's chocolate where I could eat 100 of these in one sitting. Let's live a life of meaning and significance and give our life away. Let's be like the valuable chocolate. And so I want to spend the rest of our time because I believe The direction of our life is determined by the choices that we choose to make here on this earth. I want to spend a little bit of time talking about ways that we can choose to be generous. How can we create a little bit of margin in our money, but not just our money, in in any of the resources that God has given us? How can we choose, what kind of choices can we make to be generous today? Live a life of significance and meaning. Because this is what Proverbs chapter 11 says. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. And in the New Testament, it says this, tell those rich in this world's wealth to quit being so full of themselves and so obsessed with money, which is here today and gone tomorrow. And get this, tell them to go after God. God says, I'll provide for you. Tell them to go after me. It's about a relationship. God who piles on all the riches we could ever manage. And it doesn't just say money. God piles on riches in so many different ways. He piles on all the riches we could ever manage. And why does he do that? To do good. To be rich in helping others. To to be extravagantly generous. That's why he blesses us. Not so we can have more, so we can give more. And if they do that, they'll build a treasury, and other other translations say a treasury in heaven, that will last. Gaining life that is truly life. 
If maybe you're in this room and you're saying, man, my life, I am so tired. I am so worn out. I promise you, if you start being more generous and you start saying, how can I just be a blessing to others? You're going to live a life that is truly life. You're going to experience what God really intended life to look like. You're going to see life that is truly life. And so we need to make the decision to go after God with every area of our life. And I want to spend the rest of the time giving you five quick ways we can choose to be generous. Number one, we can choose to give joyfully. And I know everybody's probably heard this verse, especially when it comes time to tithe. Um, But it says, God loves a cheerful giver. I'll leave that verse on the screen. That word cheerful, does anybody know what that word is in the Greek? Probably not. You probably don't study Greek. The word cheerful in the Greek language, I don't even need to tell you the definition of it. The word is hilarious. That's what the word cheerful means. God loves a hilarious giver. He loves the giver who is so excited to give, to bless somebody that it makes them smile. That's the type of person that should be giving. And if that's not describing you, maybe you should stop giving. And this is coming from somebody who works at a church where we need finances to live. I care more about your spiritual well-being than the church's financial well-being. I want you to, to know that giving is going to bring you life when you do it and when you're excited about doing it. When you say, man, I get to be a part of what God is doing. It should bring a smile to your face. Number two, choose to give selflessly. And this was a quote I found that is just very impactful to me. If one first gives himself to the Lord, if you say, God, you can have my life, all other giving is easy. If you say, that's why we started out by talking about the spiritual side of things. Because if you can say, God, you can have it all. You have my heart. I want a relationship with you more than I want anything else. If you can get to that point in your life and make the decision to truly follow after Jesus, giving anything else is easy. Moving Moving to Poland is easy. It's an easy decision because your heavenly father who blesses you beyond abundance asked you to do it. And it's an easy decision. Number three, choose to give willingly. And so I think, you know, maybe some of us in this room just, you know, I don't, I don't believe in the whole tithing thing. The church is just after my money. In fact, you know, like the whole tithe, like tithing is just a part of the Old Testament, you know, and, and we don't have to follow the Old Testament laws anymore. And I would, what I would say to somebody who believes that is you are 100% right. We are not bound by the Old Testament laws anymore. It is not a command we have to do anymore. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew 5, don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And what Jesus is saying here is you can look at tithing or other spiritual principles in one of two ways. I have to obey them or I get to do them. And I hope that the people in this room who choose to give to our church say, I get to give. We never want anybody to have to give. We want you to choose to be a part of our financial giving and and the success of this ministry because we need each other. We have to have each other to make this church work. Number four, choose to give intentionally. And this is, this is a cool passage, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10, 11. It says, now he who supplies to the sower and bread for food will also supply and 
increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And what that's saying here, and this is something I didn't know. Uh, if, you, if you are a farmer, you probably know this. Um, there's a lot of seed companies. That if you go to buy corn or things like that, uh, beans, whatever, uh, they, you have to actually have farmland to be able to buy seed. You can, I, I couldn't just go buy seed from a lot of these companies because they want to make sure that their seed is going in the ground, going to grow, and they're going to get a return on it. Right? They, they want to know that the, the people they're selling to are going to do something with it. And I think the same thing is true in the kingdom. God is the sower. And he, or we're, when we sow seed, when we sow what God has given us, he sees it. And it says that he will increase your store. He's gonna, he says, that's what you chose to do with this? Here you go. Here's some more. Do it, do it again. I want to just give one quick example. And, and she didn't know I was going to do this. But uh, Diana Brabham was talking to me recently um, because she uh, said yes to um, giving a Christmas meal on our Christmas when we delivered the Christmas meals. Uh, and um, she delivered to this elderly lady, this older lady, who um, she, she chose to, to not just give but go above and beyond and, and actually have a real conversation with this lady. And the lady said, my, my daughter's on life support. And, and I don't know how I'm going to get past this. And because Diana didn't just give her a meal and leave, but chose to actually be generous and, and give herself a little bit, God increased and said, well, why, don't you go to, why don't you go to her house now? Because Diana said, well, you know what? I found out she's my neighbor because of this. God, God connected people who are neighbors. And now she's able to have dinner with this lady, and now she's built a relationship with this lady. And I haven't heard an update lately about what it is, but I can't help but think God can open doors that would not have been able to be opened had she not been generous. Had she not said yes, she wouldn't have been able to have lunch with this lady and be with this lady in the roughest moment of her life. God can do so much when we're willing to say yes. He will increase. And then it says, you will be rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And I, hear, I know we see that word that you will be rich. And we think, well, that's blasphemy. First off, it's in the Bible. God said it. I didn't say it. Second off, that word rich, all it means is more than you need. That's what the word rich here means, more than you need. God has given me more joy than I need. And so I'm choosing to give it to you guys today, believing that he's going to give me more. Some of us in this room have been blessed financially. If you give it, he's going to bless you because he knows he can get money through you then. He knows he can give joy through you. And I want to talk about four quick ways you can give. You can give your time. Some of you maybe in this room are retired and you say, I've got an hour. I can pour into somebody's life. I can have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with somebody who's struggling. You can give your talent. You can say, man, God's made me a good cook and I can help make cookies or something for the church. You get Susie Tabor, we know, we, know what she, we know what she's capable of. Some of you guys know how to make people laugh. We need you greeting people, welcoming people into church because God loves a cheerful giver, somebody who's a hilarious giver. You can give your touch. Just send somebody a text and say, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm thinking about you. Put your little touch in their life and see how far it goes. And number four, obviously, you can give your treasures. Some of us in this room are are blessed here, and some of us are, have been blessed here. It doesn't matter the amount. 
God wants you to say yes to him, whatever the amount is. It's, the amount's not important. He wants a relationship with you, regardless of how much money is in your bank account. And number five, choose to, lastly, choose to give thankfully. The Bible says in Psalm 116, what shall I give to the Lord for all the good he's done to me? Basically, he's saying, I can't, get, I can't outgive God. You cannot outgive our Heavenly Father, who gives in abundance. The Bible says that, again, when the Israelites were done, there was still manna on the ground. And lastly, get this, if, you're, if you only get one thing, get this from my message. Exodus chapter 13. So we were just reading out of Exodus chapter 16, so we're going to go back three chapters. This was the first Passover. And so some of you don't know what Passover is. It was basically the moment where God was asking, he says, I'm going to set you free. And I'm asking every uh, leader of their household to take their most valuable lamb, which would have been an income for them, and kill it and use that blood on, and put it on your head and on your kid's head, and I will pass over you. And I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I see the blood of the lamb on you, and I pass over you. And I'll, I'll make sure you're set free. And so then in Exodus 13, that they're, they're preparing for that moment. And it says, in the days to come, when your sons ask you, what does this mean? Say to him, with a mighty hand, the Lord has brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And keep that up. So what, what's, what's being said here is their kids are saying, dad, mom, why, why are you doing this? And in this moment, dad would have taken off his shirt and said, do you see these scars? You see these whip lashings? This was my life. And the Lord has set me free from it. And then the next, next part of the verse, that's why. I hope this week or this month, you take this message seriously and you do you bless somebody in the most amazing way possible, in the best way you can, and your kid or your friend or your nephew says, hey, why did you do that? That doesn't make any sense. And you can say, because I have a heavenly father who has given me more than I could ever ask, think, or imagine. And the only response I have is to give him everything I have. And so we want to give, our church wants to give you guys the opportunity to say yes to that challenge this week. So if you go out to the Welcome Center, we've got a card for everybody here in the church. You can take multiple if you'd like. And it just says, something extra to show God loves you. And I want to encourage you to take this, whether you maybe go out to eat and leave a fat tip. You guys know what a fat tip is, right? And put this on top of the tip. Just say, our way of saying God loves you. Or maybe you pay for somebody else's meal or somebody else's groceries and just say, God bless you. This is just a way to maybe challenge and encourage everybody to bless somebody this week and let your money impact somebody other than yourself. Let your life impact somebody other than yourself. Let your laughter impact somebody other than just yourself. Do something for somebody else. Be generous this week. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much. Because God, just like John 3.16, the most famous passage in Scripture says, you, you loved us so much that you gave. You gave. Your one and only son. That's something nobody else in this room would be willing to do. And you said yes to doing it because you love each and every person in this room. You love me. You love everybody else in this room. So God, I just pray that we 
respond in the only way that makes sense, and that's to give back. God, we're going to sing this song. It's your breath in our lungs. God, it's you who gives us life. And God, our only response is to pour it all out and give it back to you. So let's worship together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.